Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report Podcast. My name is Michael Hunter. I'll be your host today. And always, this is the sister podcast to accbasketballreport.com. You can also follow me at pcon 36 on Twitter. Uh, just a quick reminder to you guys, uh, this is a crowdfunded podcast. I do appreciate any donations you can give. To donate and support the podcast, just go to accbasketballreport.com. Click on the RSS feed, uh, link to my Podbean page. Click be a patron at the top right and go ahead and donate. Understand that I appreciate any donations you guys give me. Um, any uh, relief from paying for production of the podcast all of myself is greatly appreciated. Uh, also, don't forget to rate, review, share. Tell your siblings, tell your friends, tell your mom about the podcast. Uh, must be people doing something right because the numbers are increasing with each uh, with each episode that's coming up. Uh, downloads on last week's show, uh, Jeff Capel would never drop bags was uh, the most popular podcast of the of the few that I have put out and I certainly appreciate that uh, I'm gonna jump right into the weekly review today uh, busy week uh, a lot of games starting Sunday last week Wake Forest uh, hosted Virginia in a game where I, I said on one of the write-ups on the uh, on the on the website that I didn't think that uh, UVA would be able to cover the spread I think the spread was nine and a half Virginia wins by 10, 59-49. I would I would have lost money on that game. Fortunately, I also said do not bet on that game. Uh, Kyle Guy, 17 points. DeAndre Hunter continues to be a force uh, for Virginia, finding soft spots in the defense. Again, I, I put some stuff up on the site this week about the Virginia offense. My thoughts, my thoughts on on what they're able to do, especially on Hunter emerging as one of the more effective pieces of that offense. He had 16 and five. Virginia wins this game despite uh, receiving poor effort, basically, from uh, Devin Hall, Isaiah Wilkins, and Ty Jerome. Uh, they combine to go 419. The Cavaliers still win by double digits. That should tell you a little bit of something about what you're dealing with. This isn't your typical Virginia team, I don't believe. Um, again, Tuesday, I believe it was, I put something up on the website regarding just their offense, which is maybe the most underrated part of their, of their, their core concept. They're not going to score a ton of points, which is kind of a stigma that they've been labeled with, which is true, but they're efficient. They're highly efficient. They get good shots. They get good looks. And Tony Bennett does a good job of, of recruiting talent that can get out there and hit open looks. And uh, I think that's one of the more underrated pieces of this Virginia team is they do have good players on offense. And they continue to show it, and they showed it yesterday, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, Drow Moore, Brandon Childress, only Wake players to shoot above 40% in this game. Wake shoots 37% as a team. Uh, UVA, again, another solid defensive game. Seven steals, six blocks. Oh, they only turn the ball over seven times, and they go perfect 10 for 10 from the line. So ho-hum, Virginia keeps doing what they're doing. Uh, keeping the Sunday theme, Miami goes to Raleigh and actually defeats the Wolfpack uh, on their home floor. Lonnie Walker, Bruce Brown, both go for double figures. Typically, that means Miami wins. Uh, they combine for 31. Anthony Lawrence, which is maybe one of the, the most underrated players in the conference, um, he kind of he's not a, a, a hugely recruited kid, um, but he's a kid that when you watch Miami play on TV, he's one of the kids that stands out. Plays good D. He hits the ball, uh, hits the, the three ball from the corners. Uh, really good shooter, good size, rebounds well, plays hard. He's not a dick. He's he's you know he's not out there arguing, giving hard fouls, causing fucking trouble. He's just he's a kid that goes out there, plays hard, and you know he's a kid that nobody else in the conference knows about, but the Miami fans probably have to love him. Uh, year seven, you know another. 
28 and 6 game for NC State. He continues to to look like a pro. Um, you got to think that Kevin Keats would love to have him back next year, but it's looking more and more like he might be uh, he might go the pro route. He certainly looks the part this year. NC State <laughs> got to be a tough loss for them. Uh, they shoot well, still lose 54% overall, 62% on twos, and they still drop a game at home. Um, you know. Miami looks to be putting it together on the offensive end. Um, we're gonna, I'm gonna dive into Miami a little bit more later in this podcast. Um, but NC State's still a good team. Um, I think, I think they're a tournament team at this point. Uh, this was a game, obviously, that would have been really nice to have on the resume because obviously Miami is also a tournament team. Uh, Boston College continues to struggle on the road. They go to Louisville on Sunday, lose uh, 77 to 69. Dengadel with a double double, 18 points, 10 boards. Jordan Awara, uh, 15 points in 16 minutes. Came down to this one on bench points. Louisville had 22 points off the bench. BC had two. You know, outside of that big three of uh, Chapman, Robinson, and uh, Kai Bowman. Bowman going five for 22 in this game. You know, Boston College doesn't really have much. Uh, their front court, they had been getting some some quality play out of Popovich. He's kind of tailed off recently. Um, you know, Louisville is a big team, so, you know, they're going to hold any, any you know, that, that Boston College front court is not really an ACC caliber front court. You know, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna put up numbers because somebody has to play those positions. Somebody's got to grab six rebounds a game. So um, Louisville is starting to come around. They're one of the more talented teams in the country, uh, in the conference. And Boston College right now isn't. I, I continue to believe that had Deontay Hawkins remained healthy, this Boston College team may have been the surprise team in the conference, but doesn't turn out that way. Uh, Louisville does win despite having uh, more turnovers and assists in the game, which is something that has plagued them all season. They need a true point guard. Uh, Darius Perry is probably the purest point guard on the team. Uh, he has a propensity to turn the ball over a little bit. So as he grows, you know, it, it'll, it'll come around, I, I believe. Moving into Monday, uh, Virginia Tech finally gets their signature win on the season. Uh, taking care of business at home over UNC, 80-69. to 69. This is a game, UNC, I'm concerned about them a little bit uh, the last few games. Their defense does not look good. Uh, they got killed from the corners uh, on this night. Uh, Virginia Tech hit 12 threes. And the other thing is they seem to be kind of one-dimensional at, at times. Uh, in this game, Luke May, Joel Berry both had 23. No one else had more than five. Uh, UNC was held to just nine offensive rebounds, which I was talking to Matt at the ACC uh, discussion uh, on Twitter about what we thought UNC would come out of the half doing, you know, basically what they always do, hit the glass hard. Uh, you always expect somewhere between 13 to 17 offensive rebounds from them just because that's the way, you know, that's part of Roy Williams' game plan. Um, they had nine offensive rebounds, which isn't a terrible number, but three of them, I believe, came on the same possession at one point in the game. Um, I, I, again, this was I watched too many games, and this kind of blends into each other a while. The other big part of this game for Virginia Tech, apart from all the threes and, and, and open shots they were getting, was Kerry Blackshear played 33 minutes. That is absolutely huge. I've said that multiple times on both the podcast as well as on the website. If Kerry Blackshear can give them 28, 30 minutes a game, Virginia Tech is much better off. He's a really good player. He stretches the floor uh, on offense, and he's, you know, by far their best rebounder, obviously. Uh, you know, Chris Clark is a really good rebounder, but at 6'6", he also can't play defense against guys like, you know, Luke May, 
uh, Sterling Manley, you know, some of the things that, that Blackshear has the capability to do. Uh, that was the only game on Monday night. Moving to Tuesday, <laughs> um, Clemson plays their first game without Dante Grantham. They go up to John Paul Jones and get just creamed in the second half, losing to Virginia 61-36. to uh, Clemson has a 28% turnover rate in the game. They shoot just under 32% and only score 13 second-half points. You will never win a game playing basketball like that. Uh, Gabe DeVoe was the leading scorer for him with 11. Amir Sims uh, was a player that I tuned in. I, I, I tuned into this game kind of to see how he would play because he's going to be the main guy to fill in for Grantham. He played a pretty good game, 9.6 boards in 25 minutes. Uh, Virginia shoots 45%, 14 steals, 7 blocks. Uh, Devin Hall with 14, Kyle Guy with 12. This was a game, uh, you know, Clemson just can't score the ball on that particular night. Uh, Marquise Reed was, was locked up. Uh, Virginia didn't really have to do anything awful special other than what they typically do, which is play that pack line defense. And uh, they've got the athletes, they've got the scoring, and they didn't even really need the scoring. I mean, anytime you can score 40 and still win, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Duke on Tuesday night went to Winston-Salem, beat Wake Forest by 14, 84-70. Duke has four guys with 16 or more. They're up 11 at the half, put the game away early. Wake Forest, not a whole lot to say. They had 20 turnovers, and they went 5 for 20 from 3. So, you know, a lot, 11 live ball turnovers, just not going to get it done. They continue to be talented but disappointing. Wednesday night, Georgia Tech went down to Tallahassee. They lose to Florida State, 88-77. Terrence Mann with a career-high 30, which I believe is the third time he's set his career-high this year. Uh, Georgia Tech could not keep him out of the lane. He was getting anywhere he wanted to on the floor. Um, the one quality thing you can say about G-Tech is they scored 77 points on the road, which is typically unheard of for them. Uh, they're a bad offensive team. They're traditionally a bad road team. If you're going to take something away, I guess 77 points on the road and you still lose is great. They've now lost three in a row. Uh, Florida State kind of looks like they're rolling a little bit. Um, sticking with uh, Wednesday night, Boston College goes to Syracuse. Syracuse uh, BC again has no rebounding, 18 for the game. Puts them at negative nine. Syracuse at 27. Tyus Battle, 24. He's starting to come back to, to life a little bit. He had a, a little bit of a down... Uh, a down part in the season. He's now averaging 22.5 over his last four games. Syracuse, five guys in double figures. Um, they did lose Matthew Moore in this game. We'll talk about that in just a second. But Syracuse is an interesting team. I uh, I got blinded by uh, a Twitter question the other day where um, on, a, on a blind test, Syracuse compared to Boise State. And I said Syracuse. Um, their numbers, overall numbers, look good. Having seen them play, I don't think they're a tournament team. You know, according to the eye test, which I, I'm a big believer in the eye test. You know, you can show me strength of schedule. You can show me RPI, which is obviously flawed. Ken Palm, I have a lot of faith in, um, but it's more of a uh, predictive measure. I, watching Syracuse play, they don't look like a tournament team to me. But their resume was obviously enough to impress me the other day. Uh, you know, what it's going to be at the end of the season, I don't know, but their schedule is is fairly favorable. I think I said earlier in the, uh, a couple weeks ago, earlier in the year, um, I could see them going 8-10, and 9-9, nine and nine with the way their schedule sets up. So the Orange are somebody to keep, keep an eye on, and as we learned a few years ago, once they get into the tournament, you know, anything is possible, especially when they have a score like battle. They have rebounders, they have defense, uh, Franklin Howard, he might score 24, he might score 6. So you never know what you're going to get there. Syracuse, it's an interesting team. I thought they were 
quite obviously a bottom four team right now. Uh, I think they're probably bottom six. They have potential. Um, obviously, I think the bottom four, Notre Dame, uh, Georgia Tech, uh, Wake. So, yeah, I mean, Syracuse right in the middle of the pack. I can't really remember where I had them on Friday on my power rankings. But, you know, with the way some of the other teams are playing, the injuries that Notre Dame is suffering, Syracuse could move into that. 11 to 8 spot and have a real shot at the NCAA tournament. Okay, uh, moving on to Miami Louisville. Louisville on the road loses in overtime at the, uh, Miami 78-75. One question I want to have, or one question I have about this game is where's that Miami defense? This is something I'm going to talk about later as well. Um, they, they look awful. I mean, they were one of the top 10 defensive teams in the country just a couple weeks ago. And now, not so much. Uh, Ray Spaulding, 9 points, 13 boards, 5 blocks for Louisville. Lonnie Walker looks more like a pro every day for Florida, uh, for Miami. Um, you know, it's funny, I was watching the game yesterday. Every time the ball leaves Lonnie Walker's hands, it looks like it's short. And it just continues to float up there. And it just goes over the front of the rim. And he's hitting nothing but net. It's it's really a beautiful thing. When he gets rolling, he's one of the, the best players to watch play in the country. I believe. Um, lately, just been a monster. Uh, Duan Huell, 18 and 12. Nice double-double for him for the Hurricanes. Um, Brown, Newton, Lawrence go 5 for 27. Miami still wins. you got to love that. Uh, if you're a Miami fan, that means you know, you got depth. You've got stars. You're playing. Yeah, holding Louisville to 75 isn't a bad thing. But Miami's defensive concerns overall the last couple weeks are a concern for me. Um, again, they protect their home court. By, uh, by defeating a really good Louisville team, which my frustration with Louisville continues. Again, they need a point guard. Darius Perry's still a freshman. Um, Dwayne Sutton has been playing well for them, but he's not really a point guard. Uh, Quentin Snyder was somebody I had in one of, uh, I believe, third team all-conference before the season. He's not really, he's more of a scoring guard, a combo guard. He's not ever going to give you what I thought he, he was capable of. You know, I thought, you know, five, five and a half, six assists was, was certainly... Uh, a possibility for Snyder this year. He's more interested in scoring. Uh, it's typically two to four assists per game, which isn't a big discrepancy, but uh, Louisville doesn't really share the ball that well. Um, we'll see what happens then. They're talented. I just think that Padgett's still kind of putting his system in place. NC State goes on the road and uh, and takes care of Pitt. Only by four, though, 72 to 68. Pitt did score over 67 points for the first time in the ACC, in the ACC conference play. Uh, have yet to score 70. Markel Johnson with a pretty impressive line. Five points, 12 assists, seven rebounds, three steals. Jared Wilson framed with 22 for Pitt. On, on Markel Johnson, and if you guys didn't watch that UNC game yesterday, you, you got to get that on YouTube or on Watch ESPN. I think it was on CBS, so it's probably on YouTube. But um, Johnson, since, since he's been back, NC State is a completely different team. Um, Freeman's been coming off the bench a little bit. Johnson makes this team go. He doesn't score a ton, doesn't really need to impact the game, but his defense, his vision, his assists, the way he plays basketball allows NC State to speed other teams up. Um, and NC State is obviously at their best when they're playing fast. Um, that was on display yesterday. They were a great matchup for UNC as far as the Wolfpack side of the ball goes. I thought that they matched up pretty well with UNC, um, and again, he had a big game yesterday, which I'll touch on here in a second, but with Markel Johnson, NC State's tournament team, I, I might not have said that before the year, because I'm not a big Al Freeman fan, he does score just enough points, though, 
to, to keep them viable. Um, and then given year seven's development, which I, I thought he would be better this year, but I didn't know he would be this good. Um, you know, NC State's looking more and more like a tournament team every day. And they, they, they're, they're playing really well since Johnson came back. I'm a big fan of that kid. He was one of my players to watch before the season. Um, and they're certainly a team to keep an eye on the rest of the way. Uh, yesterday, obviously the biggest game of the ACC year. Uh, Virginia travels to Duke and, and gets a win in a, a game that was pretty crazy. Um, I think Virginia was up by 12 or 14 at one point, And then Duke comes storming back. They were up at one point, 46-42. And then, you know, Virginia kind of clamps down and, and puts it away. One thing that was really interesting, and I didn't really see it until after the game, and I looked at the box score, I never would have guessed that Virginia shot 39% for the game yesterday. Uh, I asked on Friday, I believe, during the power rankings, can the, the biggest question mark for me wasn't the, everybody wanted to talk about the number one defense versus the number one offense. Virginia obviously being number one D, Duke being number one in offense. The question for me was, can that Duke defense slow down that highly efficient offense for Virginia? Can they stop Virginia from getting easy looks, running Kyle Guy off double baseline screens, running Devin Hall off double baseline screens, Ty Jerome shooting threes from six feet beyond the iron? Can they prevent uh, DeAndre Hunter from getting in that soft spot at the foul line and doing what he does? And the answer was no in the first half. Kyle Guy was getting what he wanted. Devin Hall was getting what he wanted. Um, DeAndre Hunter didn't have a great game, but he was still effective. Um, you know, it was a, it was a second half where uh, Virginia really struggled for a while. They went uh, 0 for 6 at one point, um, which is something that, one, you don't expect from them, and two, can really impact them given their rate of play. Their, uh, their possessions per game is obviously very low. They're one of the slowest, you know, teams in the country so they need to make every possession count Isaiah Wilkins missed three straight wide open jump shots at the foul line at one point uh, Ty Jerome took a couple really bad threes um, and then on the other side of the ball you've got Marvin Bagley who is a fucking monster man this guy you know I said before the season he's the best prospect I've seen since LeBron I stick by that statement if he ever develops a consistent outside game he's going to be He's going to be the next uh, transcendent player in the NBA. He is just super talented. The only reason Duke was ever really in this game was because of the work that Bagley and Carter were doing on the glass. Um, Duke was terrible at finishing at the rim yesterday. Again, Bagley and Carter were the guys that were finishing at the rim. Um, you know, Grayson Allen had a terrible game, five points in 40 minutes, which you know doesn't break my heart any. But, you know, you know how I am. I don't like Duke. I'll talk about them. They're great. They're hugely talented. I respect Coach K. If Coach K wanted the coach in Atlanta, come on down. Uh, you know, I'd throw a couple grand in, in, the, in the kitty to make that happen. You know, obviously a small splash in the bucket. But, hey, I would do anything to help make that happen for sure. Um, again, the 39% was interesting to me. Kyle Guy was was locked in I thought all day he had some tough uh, tough rim outs in the second half three that I can remember two on triples and one on a layup uh, Duke with 10 offensive rebounds Virginia did a pretty good job with uh, one and outs I, th I think of those 10 offensive rebounds there was a couple possessions with two or more so it's it's kind of you know it, 10 looks good but when they come all at once not so great um, Again, if anybody else steps up, Duke wins that game. But as a as a perimeter player, 
uh, for the Blue Devils facing that defense yesterday. I mean, you know, easier said than done. And Virginia has the athletes in Hunter, Diakate, uh, Diakite, sorry, uh, Jack Salt, Isaiah Wilkins, to just throw big bodies at that big front line of Duke. And, you know, Virginia has enough to hang with you. Uh, moving on to another big game yesterday. This was probably the game of the day. I thought this game was better than the Virginia Duke game. Uh, NC State goes into Chapel Hill, gets a win 95-91 in overtime. It's the first time since 1973 that Duke and UNC have lost on the same day. Um, also, something I didn't mention in the Virginia game, is the first time that Virginia's won in Cameron since 1995. So, big day as far as historical yesterday for the ACC. Um, watching this NC State-UNC game that did go to overtime, it was a horseshit call on NC State yesterday. Uh, end of regulation, uh, ball rims out, Cam Johnson goes after a rebound, falls to the ground. Nobody touched him. I don't know what the fuck the officials were looking at yesterday, but I'm, I had a poker game yesterday going while this game was on, and I've got an NC State fan, a Duke fan, and some other guys were from East Carolina. But even the Duke fan looked at, uh, was watching the game and said, oh man, that's a, that's a horseshit call. I, nobody touched Cam Johnson. He falls to the ground. He goes to the line, nails two shots, uh, ties up the game. We go to overtime now. Granted, NC State still came away with the win, no harm done, but you can't you, you can't not see it. You can't not see uh, some of the calls in this conference that just tend to go Duke and UNC's way. Now I understand, you know, chance favors the the prepared mind here, but goddamn, you know, in Chapel Hill, it's it just it, it lines up too perfectly to put them in a position to win that they don't deserve. They didn't deserve to win that game. Joel Berry had six points yesterday, three for 12, played a terrible game. Theo Pinson made up for it a little bit. Him and him and Luke May, uh, you know, they combined to go for 53 and 27 yesterday. So huge game for Pinson and May. But you got to question what some of the, you know, I see the, the coach for uh, Teddy Valentine sitting down with Roy Williams last week before the goddamn Georgia Tech game, sitting on their bench, laughing it up, having a great fucking time, blowing each other on the goddamn bench. And then he comes out, UNC gets 24 free throws, and GTEC gets six. And I'm not saying, I'm just saying, what the fuck is going on here? Uh, Mark L. Johnson yesterday in this game, 20 points, 11 assists, five rebounds. And, you know, the guy that I love to beat on, Al Freeman, goes seven for seven from deep for 29 points. Fucking guy did not even hit the rim all day. He was just... You know, to steal Dickie V's, you know, cliche, tickling the twine all day. Freeman was a huge part of that game yesterday. Uh, got to, you know, I got to beat on him when I can, but I also got to recognize greatness when I see it. Uh, Torn Dorn hit a huge three from the corner at one point in this game. Um, you know, it was a great game. I, you know, I thought best game of the day. It wasn't a game I was looking forward to. Last year, UNC kicked their fucking ass in Chapel Hill. So, you know, more power to NC State, who again, looks like a tournament team to me. Uh, Miami goes down to uh, goes actually up to Tallahassee for another overtime game. They lose to Florida State 103-94. I caught the first half of this game, uh, bits and pieces. Again, where's that Miami defense? 103 points to Florida State. Eh, you know, Florida State, not really known as a program, is going to put up big points. Uh, Florida State, only seven turnovers in the game. In an overtime game, Miami, one of the top, still one of the top 40 defenses in the country, only forces uh, seven turnovers. Really? C.J. Walker's still the point guard for Florida State, right? I mean, 
He's one of the guys I said preseason to watch. He's going to be a breakout player. He's played terrible this year. You can't turn that kid over? Come on. Uh, you know, Miami loses for the first time this season when uh, Lonnie Walker, Bruce Brown, both scoring double digits. Uh, again, Lonnie Walker yesterday, goddamn. Kid can play. He's a pro. Uh, you're also seeing MJ Walker, freshman, a uh, little bit less heralded freshman for Florida State coming alive. He takes and makes some 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 big shots for a freshman. I don't think you would know that MJ Walker is a freshman if you watched him play. Uh, if Florida State is able to uh, put Man, Kofer, MJ Walker, and this Cabin Gailey, who I always mispronounce his name and I apologize for that, but the kid's a three-star player. He can shoot the shit out of the ball, man. He's he's fucking incredible too. Uh, just. You know, again, Florida State, instead of being star-studded like they have been in the past, this is a team that is better than teams they've had in the past because they're a sum of all the parts instead of Jonathan Isaac being placed into a star role, Dwayne Bacon being placed into a star role, Malik Beasley being the go-to guy. This team has five guys that they might not be on all the time, but if two or three of them are on, they don't need all five of them to be on because MJ Walker can score 20. Phil Kofer has, uh, has has proven that he can score 20. Um, you know, obviously Terrence Mann just put up 30 against G-Tech, a team that's known to play, you know, terrific defense. He just went out and put 30 on them. So this is a team that I I'm starting to warm up to a little bit. It's a team that I'm starting to watch a lot more. You know, there are teams in this conference I don't really watch on TV. I don't, I don't watch Wake Forest, if it's all possible. I've seen, you know, maybe two and a half pit games. It's not something I want to put myself through. It's not worth it. It's bad fucking basketball. Um, but this Florida State team, I paid attention to them the last few weeks. They're they're a good team. Uh, if C.J. Walker can keep his shit together. You know, like yesterday, they had six guys in double figures yesterday. Uh, Phil Kofa led the way with 21. C.J. Walker keep his shit together, and they can play defense the way Leonard Hamilton is known to play defense. You know, I, I can't even, Two weeks ago, if you would have told me I'm saying this right now, you know, this is a sweet 16 team. If they can get their defense together and they shoot the ball like this, MJ Walker is playing offense at the end of the year like he's playing right now. This is a sweet 16 team. Uh, Syracuse goes to Pitt yesterday, takes care of business, 60-55. to 55. Uh, I'm going to butcher this kid's name, and I apologize. Barama Sidibe, uh, this is a kid that just a couple weeks ago, the Syracuse message boards thought he might be done for the season. Uh, Beheim was a little noncommittal on his future as far as Medically, he was looking at a medical red shirt because he still qualified. He comes back yesterday, puts up huge double double, eighteen points, sixteen rebounds. Um, something if you said if anybody told you to saw that coming, they're a fucking liar. Uh, neither team shot above thirty six percent, thirty five percent for Hughes, twenty seven for Pittsburgh. Syracuse has now won three in a row. Granted, it was home against Pitt, at Pitt, and home against BC. But you can only beat the teams that are put in front of you. At the end of the year. Nobody gives a shit how you won nine or ten ACC games. They just care that you won them. And at tournament time, that's going to be something that the selection committee, that's going to be the difference between Syracuse getting a bid and Georgia Tech getting a bid. Uh, Syracuse is beating the teams that they should beat. G-Tech, who the fuck knows what you're going to get out of them every night. So Syracuse is putting themselves in position to make it to the dance. Again, sneak in under the radar. It's going to be one of those situations where everyone's going to lose their shit on Selection Sunday because why did Syracuse get in? Well, they get in because they beat some of the teams that they should be beating, regardless of how they're struggling, which they are struggling on offense a little bit. You know, Ty's battle showing some shit, but, uh, you know, 
Frank Frank Howard, he's tailing off a little bit. Not so great lately. Uh, yesterday, Wake Forest goes up to Louisville. They get bitch slapped again. Louisville wins 96-77. Louisville, 20 assists on the day. Six players with at least nine points. Uh, Chandy Brown, apparently out of the doghouse for Wake Forest. He had 20 yesterday. Brian Crawford with another inefficient 19. Wake continues to disappoint. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of fucking time on Wake Forest again. Uh, Virginia Tech gets a uh, hard-fought win in South Bend yesterday. Um, Notre Dame continues to impress me, even though they're losing. I mean, this is a team that's been decimated by injuries, and somehow they keep it to within five on a night where Virginia Tech shoots shit out of the ball. Kerry Blackshear fouls out again, but still, you know, he played a pretty good, a pretty good amount of minutes yesterday. Um, Justin Bibbs kind of snapped out of his funk. He had 20 for Virginia Tech. Notre Dame, I thought, suffered another injury yesterday. Rex Fluger went down, gripping his knee, and the haircut uh, gets the Big Balls of the Week award. He missed about 60 seconds of game time, and uh, right back in the game. Impressed with Notre Dame, keeping it close in the last 13 minutes. Uh, Notre Dame now 13-8. and eight. Again, a team that impresses me with their, their grit. It was great to see uh, Matt Farrell, Bonzi Colson on the bench yesterday. You know, amping up the crowd, um, getting everybody jacked up. I think uh, I think Colson hit one of his teammates in the face accidentally, which the guy took umbrage with. But you know, he gets the fuck over that. Um, again, Colson's uh, button-down shirt game is is on point. Uh, if he's trying to be a, be the class clown or be ironic with it, which is something I guess the kids do now. But um, Virginia Tech looks to be rolling. Of course, you know, the week after I sell them. On the stock report, they they kind of put it together, beating NC uh, and uh, and beating Notre Dame. They're they're a tournament team. They're a tournament talent team. Um, whether or not they're going to have the resume, I do not know. Um, again, if Justin Bibbs is going to get back on track and become the score that he was in the out of conference schedule, then uh, that's going to go a lot you know a long way to making Virginia Tech a viable a viable team for the tournament and, and something that we can use to argue for, for ACC teams. Um, that is the week in review. Overall, pretty good week uh, as far as my power rankings were concerned because, you know, at the end of the day, it is all about me. And, you know, I think some teams are starting to emerge. Some teams are starting to turn it around. I think when you look at Virginia Tech and Syracuse, there there are a couple teams that are starting to get the fire lit under their ass where they know that they need to put their shit together in order to make the dance. Uh, some teams kind of falling apart. Notre Dame, Georgia Tech come to mind. Uh, first and foremost there, uh, BC is starting to, uh, to fade a little bit too uh, after some good wins early on. One thing I do want to talk about real quick today is uh, there was some news on the Louisville punishment, on the Louisville scandal. Now this is the scandal that involved hookers, okay? This isn't the, uh, this isn't the Patino banging some waitress in a bathroom or, or uh, the Adidas paying Brian Bowen. Because, you know, when you talk about scandals and you talk about Louisville, you got to really get specific because they have a major scandal every couple years there. You know, third time's, you know, third time's the charm, Patino's shown the door. But this was, uh, this was for the 2000, uh, I'm sorry, for the 2015 stripper scandal, or whenever it was. That was when the, the investigation started. This was the answer to the appeal. So basically, Louisville had to take down the banner uh, for the 2013 title. Um, and they get fined $15 million. Now, one of the biggest gripes I have is that the, NC, uh, the NCAA has zero fucking balls, man. Who gives a shit about taking a banner out of the fucking rafters? 
Who gives a sh- who 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 was the team that uh, Duke and North Carolina played in the championship games in the early nineties? Well, it's not in the record books, right? It was fucking Michigan. Everybody knows it was Michigan, but they had to take the they took the banners down and they vacated some wins. So apparently, that's a big goddamn deal. Um, Fifteen million sounds like a lot. Louisville is one of the top uh, top teams programs in D one as far as profitability. Uh, they were top five last I saw, which it's been a couple years since I saw those numbers. But $15 million is, is not a difficult sum of money, I don't believe, for Louisville. It's not going to interrupt their day-to-day um, uh, operation of that program. It's not going to affect them at all. As far as the product you see on the court, not going to affect them at all. Taking a banner down, if anybody ever asked you who won the title in 2013, you still know it was Louisville. It doesn't change anything. Um... If you're, I think if you're a Syracuse fan, you have to be fucking pissed. Um, Louisville is a, a habitual offender. Knowing what they know, even though they don't know exactly what happened with Brian Bowen, and there's enough evidence there to see that Louisville was a shady program for a long time under Rick Pitino. And when Syracuse was caught... Uh, what was it? Uh, this was interesting. I wrote about it in the offseason. Syracuse lost 12 scholarships over the course of four years. Uh, Jim Bayham was given a nine-game suspension, forfeited 108 wins, which, again, who gives a fuck? Uh, two recruiters off campus for two years instead of four, five years probation, and they paid back a million dollars. You guys know what they did? They violated their own drug enforcement policy. This is a policy that's not that's not regulated by the NCAA, but is written into the student athlete code of conduct that every athlete, I assume, signs. They they violated that uh, when they performed uh, some drug testing on some players. They tested positive for what I believe was marijuana. Uh, it just says recreational uh, drugs, which typically that means marijuana. Um, the other thing was somebody wrote a uh, a paper for Fab Mello, who was obviously no longer with the program while Syracuse is getting punished for this. Um, and they were compensated eight grand. There were some Syracuse players compensated $8,000 for some volunteer work. Now, some used car salesman or some shit that worked his way into the Syracuse program that's behind all this shit. I can't really remember his name at this point. But, you know, as far as the drug policy thing goes, I mean, that raises a red flag. Who gives a shit? Everybody in college is smoking weed. I smoked weed in college. I smoked weed in high school. I don't anymore, but everybody does. Is that cool? I don't know. Who gives a fuck about marijuana? With with the effects that alcohol have, who gives a shit about marijuana? Um, I, I It's a comparison to what I do in my everyday life as a construction worker. If OSHA comes onto my job site and I have a site safety program for my job site that exceeds OSHA's basic fundamentals of safety on my job site, OSHA's gonna go by my standards. So if I violate my own standards, they, they you know, give me a pecker slap. So this basically what the NCAA did, they used Syracuse's own code of conduct against them, but you wanna talk about a harsh fucking penalty? I mean, some kid wrote a paper for Fab Mellow? Okay, that sucks. You know, that's, that's, a, that's kind of a big deal, but five years probation for that, million dollar fine, 12 fucking scholarships, give me a goddamn break. You know, Patino's got, you're telling me that Patino's not using or didn't know about Louisville using stripper parties as a fucking recruiting tool? Give me a fucking break, man. Um, one thing I want to take off the ACC hat real quick, one thing that I'm really interested in, I really don't know, I'm really actually asking is, is Kansas still under investigation now that Billy Preston's going pro? 
because the biggest problem I have with the NCAA is their ability to not punish the blue blood programs. So what I want to know is when, when Billy Preston goes pro, does the NCAA care about that investigation anymore? Are, are they looking into that vehicle that he was driving? Or they say, Jesus, thank God for that. Because if, if the NCAA drops that investigation, then you got to think that Billy Preston going pro is far and above okay with Bill Self. You know, we get Silvio D'Souza for free, Billy Preston goes pro and the investigation goes away. That's a fucking win-win-win. Kid gets paid, they get front court depth, they don't get sanctions in the future. Something to think about. The question I have, I honestly do not know the answer, so if somebody out there hears this, wants to shoot me a DM on Twitter, at pcone 36 you can also submit questions through accbasketballreport.com. I would love to know the answer to that question. Um, moving on to something else that's <laughs> bothering me a little bit lately is, anybody watching the officiating in the ACC right now? I mean, you watched that, that Duke-Virginia game yesterday. And when I say this, you got to know it's true. I hate the Duke Blue Devils. I don't like Duke. I don't like Georgetown. Those are the two programs that if they close their doors tomorrow, I'd be okay with it. Um, but, and, I said, and I, I said this to some people that I know around the triangle after the GTEC game, Virginia's playing football out there. Virginia gets away with some shit that I have never seen people get away with on the floor. I know Jack Salt's on everybody's back. Isaiah Wilkins might as well be dropping, you know, elbows out there. Um, I've never seen a player get away with as many chicken wings as Ty Jerome gets away with. And I like Jerome. I think he's a, a good young point guard. I think he's a kid that I, I'm looking forward to watching for the next couple of years in this conference. But that kid throws that left elbow out there and chicken wings it all the time always gets away with it now this is a, uh, a situation with a stigma of Virginia's they're hard gritty you know uh, they're gonna grind it out team it's a hard-fought battle every game's a battle every game's a war blah 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 well that's fine but you still gotta call I mean you know you look at the NC State foul at the end of the game the other day where there was no fucking foul and then you look at what Virginia's getting away with against Duke yesterday where you know in the G-Tech game, Tadrick Jackson was bleeding twice. Had to go to the bench to get patched up. You know how many fouls are called? None on those particular plays. Okay? I mean, Virginia's good, but goddamn. You know, there was a, there was a uh, Bill Raftery called it a nickel dime run, Grayson Allen. I'm on this podcast defending Grayson Allen right now. Okay? He bumped the kid at half court. No, and, and they called the, they call the foul on Allen. In camera. The, the inconsistency of the officiating is crazy. I'm watching the G-Tech game, and here I... Okay, so in the same breath, I'm defending Duke, and I'm going against G-Tech. G-Tech, who looks like they have never run a three-on-two, two-on-one fast break drill, comes down the court the other day. Curtis Haywood barrels into some FSU player, I believe. They call the block. Thankfully for us, I mean, we still lost the game, but ah, thankfully for the G-Tech fans, right now... In the ACC, I don't really watch a whole lot of other conference play. Right now, the block charge rule in the ACC is about as clear as the NFL catch rule. When it happens, I have no idea what the fuck's going to happen. What's going to be called? No idea. And half the time, I think it's wrong. I, I think I used to think a lot of the time it was a block. But that Curtis Haywood block the other night, that was a charge. He bailed into the kid. He was out of control. He was going up off the wrong foot. It was a, it was a terrible looking play. 
and he, we get the benefit of the doubt, which, Jesus Christ, you can't say that as a Georgia Tech fan very often. I'll say that. Uh, moving into the injury report, haven't heard anything on DeAndre Hunter, who went down yesterday. Um, hope it's not serious. This is one of my favorite kids to watch play this year. Um, I think he's the next big thing at Virginia. Uh, I keep an eye on that. Uh, Matthew Moore continues to be out with an ankle. He played five minutes earlier in the week, and then he, I believe he missed yesterday's game as well. Uh, ankle sprain, I believe, so he's been out. Uh, a couple speculative uh, people on the injury report today. Malika Boo has to be hurt. Um, he's been inconsistent is, is an understatement, I believe, but he's been bad. He hasn't been playing a lot of minutes. I think he's got 16 minutes in the last two games combined. I think he's hurt. He's been a player that, unfortunately, was a really good player as a freshman and sophomore. He, his career has been defined by injury at this point, uh, and it's too bad because NC State could obviously use that front court depth, and, and Abu is a really good player. Uh, I also don't think Curtis Haywood is, uh, is still quite 100%. Uh, he came back from a shin injury uh, three, four games ago. He looked really hobbled uh, the other night, Wednesday night, when they played. I, uh, I'm interested to see what, what he looks like today. Um, he, he looked bad. He looked like he was in pretty rough shape. Now, maybe something of conditioning, but he looked like he was limping fairly, fairly badly uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, Matt Farrell, earlier this week, shut down for at least the next two games. They said indefinitely, uh, this is a situation where, you know, it sucks for Notre Dame. Uh, Farrell had, I guess he was putting up points, but he wasn't really shooting well. Um, obviously, that uh, that ankle is still bugging him. So he's down for at least the next two, which he missed one yesterday. So we assume he missed one more. And the the fact they use indefinitely kind of, eh, red flag. It's a little bit more serious than any of us anticipated. Uh, somebody who played yesterday but was obviously hobbled was TJ Gibbs. Um, did not score. He had 27 points in that game yesterday, but he also didn't score the last five and a half minutes of the game. He was clearly limping on the court. Uh, I'd also be interested to see what happened with Rex Fluger after the game, who went down clutching his knee, came back, like I said, the haircut, showing his big balls yesterday, uh, came back in the game after about 60 seconds. I'd like to see what happened after that game. Uh, did that blow up on him? Because, uh, uh, you know, as long as you stay loose, it's fine. You get back on the bench, you sit down, the swelling starts, uh, you sleep on it for a night and wake up, and it's, you know, as big as a goddamn basketball. So, uh, I'm concerned with Fluger, concerned with Gibbs. I, obviously, they can't afford to lose anybody else. Uh, they got Harvey, Farrell, and, and Colson all up on the shelf right now. So, um, just a tough year for Notre Dame, and th that, those tough losses continue to, to mount up. Uh, I'm going to move right into the stock report, and this pains me to say, uh, you know, as far as my buy-sell hold, uh, the team I'm selling this week is Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, they're 10-10. Uh, coming into the season, Josh Pastner never lost three games in a row in his entire career. He's done it twice so far this season. This is a team where nothing comes easy uh, for the Yellow Jackets. They run an offense that I don't really understand this year. Uh, last year it was quite uh, quite well defined. We'd run it through Lammers. Uh, this year it looks like they're focusing on getting Gay on the block because he can't play on the perimeter. But, you know, they, they can't stretch the floor so they can't play high-low like the Spurs did back in the day. Obviously, Lammers is a good passing center. Um, but when you can't stretch the floor and they just pack it in, there's no room for two big men to operate. That's why UNC is able to do it so well. Is they play two bigs, but they've also got three guys outside that can shoot the fucking shit out of the ball. So G-Tech has, hasn't had that in years. You know, Adam Smith was probably the best, you know, the best shooter they've had the last five or six years. But as some of these guys develop, maybe that's something they'll go to. Um, 
Lammers and, and Tadrick Jackson just having, you know, I'm not going to say terrible, but down senior years compared to their junior years where Jackson was a force. I don't know why Passner's not putting him on the block like he was so effectively last year on the baseline and on the block. Because Jackson, once he gets in the bucket, is, is pretty automatic. He finishes, you know, some tough shots in traffic. He's, he's a good player there. Uh, Lammers has proven that he can shoot that foul, uh, yeah, that foul line jumper. Uh, hasn't shot it overly well this year. Uh, just just a poor season for GTAC. I think you're going to see them start to take a tumble. They're in a pretty rough spot in their schedule. Um, you know, as a GTAC fan, it's just business as usual for me. Uh, team that I'm holding on. Miami. Uh, two and three in their last five games, and now their defense is faltering as their offense seems to be picking it up. Um, pace of play is obviously a factor here as they get out and run a little bit more. The, the opponent has more possessions, which means their defensive numbers are going to suffer. Uh, but they've given up 75 or more in their last four games. Uh, was a top 10 def defense prior to their previous four games. Um, now they're 34th in the country in defense. Um, which is still a good number, but you gave up 103 or 101 to Florida State. Uh, you got to do better. I know you're on the road. I know you're in Tallahassee, which is one of the most underrated, toughest places to play in the conference, but you got to do better than that, especially with the athletes that you have, uh, the depth that you have. You just you got to do better. Um, Walker's coming around. Uh, looked really good the last two weeks. Uh, Jaquan Newton is not coming around, which is something that's still – you know, between Jaquan Newton and Chris Likes, you gotta have some. You gotta get some kind of production as far as distribution out of your point guard position. Uh, Likes had a beautiful pass yesterday to, I believe it was Bruce Brown on the break. It might have been Walker, but uh, you know, Likes is he's a scoring point guard. Jaquan Newton's a scoring point guard. You got all these weapons on the wings, but nobody to get him the goddamn ball. Uh, Brown is really inconsistent. Obviously, he's he was one of my dark horse picks for ACC Player of the Year. He's not there yet. You know, as me my my me trying to be clairvoyant and obviously there was something in Bruce Brown's game last year or he's just regressed or he's having a tough year I, I still think that him and Walker don't play well together but you know I think you're gonna see him in the tournament but they're gonna be a really popular upset pick uh, team that I'm buying and you may have guessed it from the way I've talked about them today is Florida State um, you know I prided myself early in the ACC season that Leonard Hamilton was not gonna fool me I will not be fooled like I was fooled last year by Florida State and all their talent and their 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 shiny new you know toys and blah blah blah. Again, some of some of all their parts, their team that is a product of a bunch of really good players that play really well together. They get open looks, they go to the hoop, they can shoot the three, they can rebound, they can defend the rim, and the defense is coming around. Um, they've now won three in a row. MJ Walker is an emerging star. Uh, they got a little bit of a bumpy road coming up on the schedule. They play at Louisville, and then they get Virginia at home. But then after that, they get Notre Dame, Clemson, Pitt, NC State, Clemson, and BC to finish up the season. This is a team that's going to be a high seed in the NCAA tournament, folks. Uh, we might as well come to grips with it at this point. Uh, and you know what that's going to do? It's going to help Carlton Young on the recruiting trail. He's going to go into Georgia. He's going to go into... Louisiana, he's going to go up to D.C. and he's going to steal all your players and everyone's going to fucking continue to hate Florida State and Carlton Young. Would somebody please give this man a goddamn head coaching job? Um, but Hamilton this year, you know, this team this year plays better than last year's team, which I think was 28-6 and six, and was loaded with stars. But they played like shit half the time. Um... It's going to be interesting to see what they can do in the tournament. Last year, ACC teams didn't do well in the tournament. 
Um, I think that's also a product of the of the terrible officiating in the conference. Uh, when you get to the NCAA tournament, obviously games are officiated a lot differently than they are in this in this conference. Um, Florida State is the team that's going to make the tournament. And they're going to interest me. They might be out the first day. They might make it to the Sweet 16. Um, you know, along with Miami, they might be out the first day. They have the talent to be a Final Four team. Um, so right now, FSU. If I had to pick a team in the conference that I'm going to buy, it's FSU. I think they're they're a higher upside, uh, better option to Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse again, Pittsburgh, BC, Pittsburgh. You're not impressing me. Um, Florida State. They're they're starting to impress me a little bit, and I know that I'm going to get fooled. Um, you know, I sold Virginia Tech last week. They had a great week this week. Um, I yeah. I I, I don't know. If I had to pick a team right now, though, Florida State's the team I'm going to go with. I think that they're a tournament team. I think they're a good team to buy right now. If you haven't seen them play, watch them play. They've got shooters. They've got rebounding. C.J. Walker isn't quite what I what I thought he was going to be. Terrence Mann is. M.J. Walker is. Phil Kofer, I don't know. He might score four. He might score 24. So good depth here, good defense, good offense, good young stars, good senior leadership. It's a team that I'm now buying, um, unfortunately. I was pretty hard on them early and said that I would not buy them. It was not a team that I would ever buy. Now I'm buying. So look for them to go in the shitter almost immediately. Um, again, you guys got any questions, we can do a mailbag next week. Uh, go ahead and submit anything on over the website, accbasketballreport.com. Uh, submit it through my Twitter. My DMs are always open. Um, I'd, I'd love to get some feedback from you guys. So far during this podcast, it's been great. I've gotten a lot of great feedback. And I think uh, a lot of good constructive criticism that I'm, I'm putting to good use. So, uh, you know, no hand slamming on the table and uh, better prepared with, with my results and game flow statistics and things like that. So, again, thanks for tuning in, fellas. We'll talk to you next week. Here's to another great week at ACC Basketball. Have a good one.